Hey everyone, this is the Professor Rick Del Santo of the PWZ Podcast. If you're interested in professional wrestling of the independent kind, the National Wrestling Alliance, and the United Wrestling Network, check us out on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and anywhere you listen to professional wrestling podcasts. Shocking babies. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 20 of Shocking Things. I am in Plainville, Connecticut at the Witch's Dungeon with Cortland Hull. How are you doing, Cortland? Hi. So Cortland, please tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what the Witch's Dungeon is and what led to its creation. Well, first of all, the full title is the Witch's Dungeon Classic Movie Museum. Okay. And that's important because it is a movie museum. It's not a Halloween attraction. It has, we have lots of different things that we'll go into yes but it started in 1966 when i was a kid i was only 13 and uh uh it developed out of my interest in the aurora model kits which were only eight inches tall i wanted them life-size and that's kind of the germ of the idea that how it all started and uh, it's named after my creation zenobia the gypsy witch and her voice is done by june foray Awesome. Now, did your great uh, uh, uncle Henry yes. Hull have any inspiration? Well, my great uncle was actor Henry Hull, who was the very first Werewolf of London in 1935. And uh, Henry helped me greatly because he introduced me to various makeup artists and effects people. And that's how I learned how to make life size figures. Like, uh, I got to know uh, Dick Smith, who did the makeup in The Exorcist and Dark Shadows. I got to know John Chambers, who did the makeup in Planet of the Apes and Alter, and many other films. Uh, but uh, between the two of them, I learned a great deal about making, uh, doing faces and doing life-size figures. Now, you created a Lon Chaney Jr. Wolfman that's on display at the Classic Monsters Cafe at Universal Studios Orlando. How did Universal Studios find out about your skills and approach you about the opportunity? Well, I believe they had seen articles that were in the newspaper and they'd seen photographs of the Wolfman that I'd done for the Witch's Dungeon. And so uh, they contacted me to do the Wolfman. They only gave me three weeks to do it. Oh, wow. And I was working day and night on that to get it done. Then when I arrive in Orlando, I called them and they, I said, when do you want me to deliver the Wolfman? They said, you're here? <laughs> I said, well, you told me I only had three weeks. I do things on time. They said, nobody does things on time. <laughs> yeah, it's Hollywood, right? Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but he's still there. My, my Wolfman is still in the Classic Monsters Cafe down at Universal, Florida. And um, you can see the duplicate of uncle henry or uncle henry i mean lon cheney as the wolfman here at the witch's dungeon this year is the 
80th anniversary of the Wolfman, too. Yeah, and Henry is here, here as well. Yeah, uh, Henry Hull is here as well as the Werewolf London. Yes, so you got two werewolves in Connecticut. It's a pretty <laughs> big deal to me. Like, you know, going there, my wife, we try to go for the Halloween Horror Nights, mm-hmm. and we love yeah. seeing the fact yeah. that we, we feel like we're at home. We get to see the Wolfman there. Oh, well, wait till you see. You haven't even really taken the tour in okay. here yet. Wait till you see what we have in here. Okay. But yeah, to me, it's a big deal for Universal Studios to ask you. to. They can get anybody, so they went out of their way to get you. To me, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I was a little surprised myself. When I delivered the Wolfman, they said to me, we should have had you do the Frankenstein monster, too. <laughs> <laughs> so they, well, I, I won't go into it. But anyway, it's just I thought that was kind of funny that they said, well, we should have contacted you to do the other one. You yeah. know, so. <laughs> now, uh, in addition to the life-size figures you have, uh, you have a lot of film memorabilia on display. Can you tell... Uh, everyone about some of the items that you have on display yes uh we have uh from dick smith we have the original one of only two original exorcist heads of linda blair uh and we also have uh from dick this is extremely rare the uh, uh frankenstein monster that he sculpted for um uh, photograph with Boris Karloff in the Saturday Evening Post in 1962, and it's still in beautiful condition. It's amazing that it is. Um, he was only given 72 hours to do that. Uh, they He had to cast it, or sculpt it, cast it, paint it, and hair it just within 72 hours so it would be ready for the photo shoot down in New York with Boris. That's awesome. Now, uh, it's going to be kind of difficult. Now, do you have a favorite life-size figure on display, or they're all like children you can't pick a favorite? Well, yeah, like Vincent Price said House, in House of Wax, he says, they're all my children. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm as bad as Henry Jarrett in House of Wax. But really, probably my two top favorites are, always has been, the Lon Chaney Sr. Phantom of the Opera, because... Uh, my folks gave me on uh, the film on eight millimeter film way back when I was like seven years old, the entire movie, and I can't recall how many times I watched it. And I still love the film. So not only do we have the Phantom as Eric, but we also have him as the Red Death in a very elaborate costume. And um, we have a pipe organ, and we have uh, uh, we even were able to find the Beethoven statue that is identical with the one that you see in the classic photo with uh, uh, with uh, Lon Chaney, you know, where he's got his arms folded. Okay. Now, uh, the museum used to be just opened uh, to the general public on the, the weekends in October, and I noticed recently, the past few months, it's been opened by appointment also year-round. Are you going to continue with oh, that? Oh, absolutely, yes. That's why we moved to this location, so we could be open all year-round. Because, as I said, it's not a Halloween attraction. It's really a movie museum. And we also are gearing up for our second Monsters holiday starting Thanksgiving weekend. We did it last year, and now we're going to do it again this year. And the Monsters holiday, all the sets, all the figures are decorated for the season. And around the base of each of the characters are rare monster and sci-fi toys from the 40s. 50s 60s and 70s okay so it's some really unusual stuff people loved it last year and of course it's based on the bobby boris pickett song monsters holiday 
okay, okay. So yeah, so there's more. It's not just a type of museum. You come once. There's oh no, because we're always adding to it. And uh, as a matter of fact, that's what we're doing today. As we speak, we're working on some of the background sets right today. Okay. Uh, now, do you want to give everyone all the information they want to come to, which okay. is Dungeon Classic Movie Museum? Uh, please give everyone all the information. Well, the Witch's Dungeon Classic Movie Museum is located on 103 East Main Street in Plainville, Connecticut. And our website is www.preservehollywood.org. And if you'd like to call, the phone number is 860-583-8306. We're open every weekend, year-round, Friday through Sunday, in the evenings only, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. The thing I, I really love about this is with uh, some of these types of museums, people are afraid to bring children. This is very family-friendly. Oh, yes. We, we, we love to have kids come because we figure that's the future generation. Exactly. And because of the fact there's nothing, no one's going to grab you here. We're not going to chase you with a chainsaw. <laughs> These, yeah. We let other people do that. <laughs> but no, yeah. it's really, that's why I say it really is a movie museum. And the way we have the figures set up with the background sets, it's really a wax museum. So it's the Witch's Dungeon Wax Museum in one section. But then, as we mentioned about the movie props, we also have, which I didn't mention before, we have an original E.T. that was used in the bike riding sequence. Okay. We have uh, one, of the, one of only two white gold Dracula rings, identical with the one that Christopher Lee wore in the Dracula films for Hammer. And, uh, oh, the old, one of the oldest props we have is the original Metaluna Mutant, actually used in This Island Earth in, in 1955. So it's a lot to see. And each one of the sets in the Wax Museum setup are related to that character. So it's not like they're just standing in front of a curtain. If, the, if you go to see the, uh, the Frankenstein monster, there's a whole laboratory set with flashing lights and all sorts of gadgets for the Frankenstein lab. Or if uh, another one of the most beautiful figures we have is the Beast from the French version of Beauty and the Beast called La Belle La Bette. And uh, we went to great lengths to get that costume exactly accurate because we uh, had to import laces and uh, uh, um, uh, uh, different materials from Italy, France, and, and other countries to, to make it look exactly like it did in the film. So that's one of the things that we're... Either we have original props that were actually used in the film or makeups, but even when we recreate a figure, we try to make it as accurate to the film as possible. Just little things, like for instance, the Phantom of the Opera, Eric, he has a double-breasted tailcoat from the 1920s, exactly like uh, Lon Chaney wore in the film. Okay, so um, uh, this is... Uh... Viola Gossi, of course, as Count Dracula from 1931, and it also, this year, is the 90th anniversary of the Lugosi Dracula. And we have a replica of the ring on there, and a replica of his medallion on him. Uh, and then over here, we have the one of my favorites. This is Lon Chaney as the Phantom of the Opera. We have him as both Eric the Phantom and also as the Red Death from the mass ball sequence in the film. Now, my mom was an uh, expert costume designer because 
she worked on Broadway, and she recreated the Red Death costume just so accurately. Of course, I was showing her the film over and over and over again, so she got it yeah, just yeah, the way yeah. we want. But she made all the capes for the figures, the special vests, and the special ties that they have. Uh, then, as I mentioned, we have uh, Beethoven's statue that is exactly like the statue that's behind Cheney in that iconic photo where he has his arms folded. Uh, then we have a complete organ back here, a pipe organ. Uh, and, uh, of course, besides playing the pipe organ, um, the Phantom played the violin, so we have the violin as well. And we have a portrait of his first, his main love, Christine, on the uh, organ there. That's then beautiful. over here, we go into the laboratory se section of the, of the museum, and we have Boris Karloff as, of course, the Frankenstein monster, and as I may have mentioned, it's the 90th anniversary of Frankenstein this year. We have recreations of the laboratory equipment that was used in the film, uh, both uh, small and large, and uh, then we even have the abnormal brain, if you notice over oh. there. <laughs> Abby normal. Abby normal. And then, of course, we have the laboratory with my great uncle, Henry Hull, as the werewolf of London. And of course, he was in search of the rare moonflower in the wilds of Tibet, which is where he got uh, bitten himself in the film. And we have all this vintage laboratory equipment for him there. Then over here, we have um, David Hedison as the fly from the original film, which co-starred Vincent Price. And this headpiece was made from parts of the original headpiece that David Hedison wore in the wow. film. And uh, of course he's got laboratory equipment here as well, and we even have a little fly of him with his head. <laughs> so, so there's lots to see. Yeah, very detailed. Uh, then over here we have one of my favorite Vincent Price films, The Abominable Dr. Yeah. Fives. And of course uh, this one is another one. Lots of anniversaries this year. It's the 50th anniversary of Dr. Fives this year. Uh, we recreated his um, voice revitalizer machine with an original Edison Morning Glory horn, which if you've seen the film, you know, that looks just like the, the gadget that he had in the film. And, of course, Vincent Price was a great friend. He also did recordings for the Witch's Dungeon that you hear at the beginning and at the end of the tour. Then over here we have Max Schreck as uh, Nosferatu or Count Orlock. And as you see, he has his familiars with him, his favorite little rat pets that he has, which freak out some of the ladies <laughs> as they take the tour. They look a little too real for yes. them. <laughs> and then over in here, uh, this is why it's great for kids as well. We, uh, my favorite uh, villain from the Disney films is Maleficent. So we have a life-size figure of Maleficent here. Of course, she did say in the original film, Sleeping Beauty, she said, I am the mistress of all that's evil well they softened her in the live action film which i didn't care for yes but we won't go <laughs> that's there. really a whole other story <laughs> that's a whole other story but this is the original version which was designed by mark davis uh, and he also designed cruella Deville. So okay. besides that he was one of the key designers that worked on the haunted mansion and pirates of the caribbean at disney okay. then over here we have what i mentioned the uh, Beast from La Belle at La Bette, or Beauty and the Beast, and that was Jean Marais that played that part. 
the French film is one of the most beautiful films of that, that uh, character, the Beast. And as you can see, much de detailing in the costume on that. And that was done by a friend of ours, Audrey Wellner. She spent over a year working on the costume. It's a, lot of, a lot of it is hand um, sewn. Then over here, we have the second Wolfman, of course, Lon Chaney Jr. as Lawrence Talbot in the film. We even have the wolf's head cane. And that's a casting made directly from the original one that's owned by Bob Burns. He has the actual cane that was used in the film. Then over here we have two mummies, if you want your mummy. Yeah. We, <laughs> we have Boris Karloff as Ardeth Bay from the original 1932 film. And we also have Lon Chaney Jr. as Kairis from The Mummy's Tomb, which was in the 1940s. And he did all the sequels, most of the sequels for The Mummy in the 1940s. Then again, we have Boris Karloff, and of course, Boris is one of my favorites. That's why, if you notice, he pops up every so <laughs> as does Vincent Price. Uh, anyway, Boris uh, played this escaped convict, Dr. Ne Dr. Neiman, in the film. He took over Professor Lampini's Chamber of Horrors. Of course, he had to kill Professor Lampini to get it. But by doing so, he acquired the actual skeleton of Count Dracula. And you notice that we have a stake in his heart, and we're not removing it because he might turn into John Carradine, <laughs> and John Carradine likes to recite Shakespeare. So we thought that would be better to leave the stake in. <laughs> then up above us, we have Charles Lawton as Quasimodo, the hunchback of Notre Dame. And then in here, we have, we're working on this set here, we have uh, Claude Rains as uh, Jack Griffin, the Invisible Man. This was just added this year. This is brand new. Yeah. And we're working on the background set for that yeah, right like now. Like the snow effect. Yeah. Well, we thought he was more impressive uh, when he first entered the tavern right from the snow and everything. <laughs> then later on, we didn't think he looked as, as frightening in his pajamas and his bathrobe. Yes, <laughs> so, yeah, yes. So more we, menacing. Yeah. He looks more mysterious in this outfit. And then moving along to the 1950s, we have the Mole People, which the main star of that, of course, was John Agar, and he went down to the depths of the core of the Earth to find this split civilization of albinos and mutations. Then over here we have the creature from the Black Lagoon, and this is, he's six foot three, he's exactly the height of Ben Chapman that played oh, wow. the land creature, and it's made from all the original parts of the creature costume. We did castings of it, and so uh, it's as close as you're ever going to get to seeing the real creature from yes. the Black Lagoon. And you notice he has not got red lips because Ben Chapman told me okay. there were no red lips. Yeah, the, the colorized photos, right, all have that. Yes, and the posters do okay. too. But it was, it was because of Universal they decided they wanted a more colorful costume to be photographed for a publicity campaign. Okay. Okay. But in the film, he did not have red lips and he didn't have any red touches on the hands huh. or anything like that because in black and white film, red photographs black. And that's why the ladies in black and white movies, they never put red lipstick on them because they look like they have black lips. So, you know, a little insight into yes. makeup there. And then over here we have both versions of Vincent Price as uh, Professor Henry Jared. Of course, he was ill-fated because his partner wanted to set fire to the wax museum for the money, and uh, he was trapped in the wax museum. 
as you can see in this other figure of Vincent. And underneath of this figure, the uh, formal suit is the original one that was used in the film that was given to me by Vincent Price. Wow. So, uh, as I say, we try to be as accurate as possible. Of course, Vincent got his, as Professor Jared, he got his revenge on his uh, rather unscrupulous partner because he, um, he hanged him in an elevator shaft. But, waste not, want not, he decided to dip him in wax and made him into a figure. <laughs> That's what we do to, with the people to get unruly. So yes. Just, just mind, your, <laughs> yeah, yeah. mind your P's and Q's yeah, when you come yourself. <laughs> and then here we have one of the oh, oldest ones. Well, great. it was from the 1920s. Uh, in Germany was uh, the golem and of course that was about the uh, rabbi that sculpted this golem uh, based on uh, mythology and he brought it to life with these tiny scrolls that were embedded in the uh, medallion on his chest only trouble is like most apprentices his apprentice was evil and he used the golem for his own purposes and he eventually ran amok so um, and then we have uh, the Vincent Price ending here. This is Vincent's recording that he did for me. And uh, it was a thrill to have Vincent recite what I, re what I wrote. There you are. I see you have survived this maze of monsters and nightmares. Or have you? And so until we meet again, good night and pleasant dreams. <laughs> So that, there you have it, and uh, of course, you know, there's so much to see yes. when you come here. Yeah, just me talking about it doesn't really do it justice. Yes. No, I, I can tell you firsthand, yeah, it's amazing. The lighting really adds to it as well. It creates a real atmosphere, yeah. And uh, as you see, all the props, the sets, everything, you kind of feel like you walked onto the set when they were making the movie, and that's, that's the whole point of what we try to do. Up on top, that's the real ET that was used in the bike riding sequence. And then we have, and this is very rare, we have um, the early concept of the creature from the Black Lagoon, which was meant to be more eel-like. And you notice that he's much smoother. And there you see a photograph of Rico Browning, who did the underwater creature, and you can see he's wearing that headpiece there. And then here's one of the feet from the creature from the Black Lagoon from the original mold. And if you look underneath, you can see the webbing, all the detail that was sculpted underneath. And then that's the head I was telling you about of uh, Frankenstein Monster oh, done by Dick Smith. Smith. That is the actual one you see in this photo with Boris wow. from 1962. And then here we have one of the Martians from Mars Attacks. And that was um, really the guide that the uh, uh, CGI animators used to so they can see him from every conceivable angle, especially for close-ups. And then we have one of the two original exorcist heads of Linda Blair, and uh, the little big man head of the, uh, he did uh, the makeup of Dustin Hoffman, and later he used it really for old Barnabas and Dark Shadows when he aged. Oh, you know? okay. And then we have a live cast of uh, Roddy McDowell with the makeup on, and the original hair pieces that were used for Roddy. Same thing with Kim Hunter down below. And these two from Beneath the Planet of the Apes, they were actually 
used in the film. And all these, of course, were done by John Chambers, except for the top shelf. The, the, you know, that's all John Chambers, all the Planet of the Apes, the original. And then up on top, we have Glenn Strange as the Frankenstein monster from Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. And uh, my, uh, my dear friend, June Foray, the voice actress that did Rocky the Flying Squirrel and Granny and so many others, but she also was Witch Hazel in the Bugs Bunny and the Doug's, uh, Donald Duck cartoons. So she does the voice of my witch, Zenobia. And, there, and she also was the voice of Cindy Lou Who. So that's a real three-cell setup that was actually used in How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And that was given to me by Chuck Jones. And then you see uh, there's a live cast of Vincent Price that was meant for a film that never was made, but he gave it to me. He had it. And so, and so how I met him was through my great uncle, Henry Hull. That's Henry on the left and Vincent Price on the right. So uh, Henry, through Vincent, uh, through, he introduced me to Vincent, and we became friends. We were friends right up to the time that Vincent passed away. So that's me with Vincent back in the... Um, mid-1980s and one Christmas Vincent gave me the uh, an original cell of his character Radigan from the Great Mouse Detective and uh, this is a prop that was used in one of Vincent uh, one of Uncle Henry's movies uh, Miracles for Sale where he played two different magicians in it and it's actually a prop that was made by Thurston the magician radio controlled talking skull which isn't a big deal today, but back in the 20s and 30s it was, you know. And then we have one of the uh, Close Encounters of Third Kind Aliens, uh, George C. Scott's makeup for the Hallmark Hall of Fame, Beauty and the Beast. And over here, this is the oldest prop, the uh, Medal of the Mutant, the actual headpiece that was used in the film in 1955. And you can see the entire body costume that the poor stuntman had to wear, which must have been incredibly hot. And that's Rex Reason, who starred in the film, and that's him with me. And I reintroduced him to the Metal Lunar Mutant, and he said he had a very deep voice. He says, you have the real one, don't you? <laughs> so he was very, very nice. And of course, then here we have a life cast of Bill Lugosi from the 1940s. And... Um, Another headpiece that Dick Smith made for a live TV version of Jekyll and Hyde. And this is one of the golden idols from Raiders of the Lost Ark. They made about six or seven of them because Harrison Ford, when he was running from the natives, he kept dropping it. Like every time, Yeah, and so every time he dropped it, it would crack, it was made of resin. Well, this was, uh, they had six or seven of these, but these were actually used in the film. Uh, and if you notice, she's giving birth. It was their fertility goddess, and that's why the natives were so angry at Indiana Jones for stealing it. So. And this is, uh, it doesn't look like much, but this little plexiglass star was on every place setting when they had the premiere of uh, Star Wars at the Fox lot, but just for the cast and crew. Yes. So Mark got a bunch of these because he's as bad as I am. He, yes. he went around to the tables and he said, do you want that? And they, well, no. And so he just scooped them up. <laughs> <laughs> but Mark's a great guy. I love Mark. So that's us about 1980, and that's us about six, eight years okay. ago. That's pretty, so That's awesome. And there you can see um, Dustin Hoffman before and after. And now he looks like that. No, I'm just, I'm just, 
Uh, but he, that was just after he did the graduate when he made oh, that okay. film. And there you see Dick Smith putting the uh, appliances on to Dustin Hoffman for uh, as Jack Crab in um, A Little Big Man. And he's holding a um, uh, altered states headpiece, which he also gave me. But we have to restore that. It's got problems that we have to meticulously work on. So it may take some time before we can put that on display. And there I am with Linda Blair with the head that you the see over head. there. Yeah. And uh, on one side of the head, which we put it up too high, you can't really see it. On one side of the head, it's signed by, on the neck, by Dick Smith. On the other side, it's signed by Linda Blair. Okay. Um, and uh, there you see Dick, uh, as he said to me, he says, I look like Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> but <laughs> but that, that's that headpiece that you see over here. Oh, okay. I see. And um, when he cast the uh, Frankenstein head, he wasn't sure exactly sure how it was going to work with the, uh, the stuntman that was going to wear it. Uh, so he wasn't sure if he was going to put ears on it or cut it out for his ears, but he decided just to leave it more or less like a mask when he did that. Uh, and there you see it up there. Okay. The one that's over there. Gotcha. It's up there in, the, in Dick's. And Dick... Uh, lived in Larchmont, New York, so he wasn't all that far away. Oh, and that's right. why I, I saw that. him. I saw him quite recent, quite often. Yes. And uh, he came up to the old Witch's Dungeon one time to, to host it, and people came from all over the country to see him because he never did conventions. Yes, yeah. So it was a big deal. I mean, he had a ball. He'd never know. He says, I'm not a star, I'm just a makeup artist. Well, he's legendary. I mean, <laughs> if you're sure into this is. stuff, yeah, yeah. he sure is, yeah. Thank you for listening. To see any photos pertaining to this episode, please go to our social media. On Instagram, it's at shocking.things.podcast. On Twitter, it's at thingsshocking. And on Facebook, it's at shockingthingspodcast. Please leave a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to this on and please share it on social media if you enjoyed it.